Good evening, and welcome to tonight's performance of the Royal Philharmonic Chainsaw Massacre with Matt Hello. How the devil are you? I'm good, though straight away I'm going to apologise. To everyone. Oh. Yes, we have been sick, we've been busy with work and stuff, and you know, we haven't released any of the interviews which we did just before Halloween, so I'm really, really sorry to people. And also apologise to the people who we interviewed, who I'm sure they are longing to listen to it. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. All of the above. <laughs> we are in full blown Christmas mode. Yes, we are. We've got the tree up. Uh, we've been watching a few Christmas films. What ones have we been watching? We watched Four Brothers. Yes, which is technically, I think, a Thanksgiving film, but it was kind of Christmassy because there was, it was snow. A, it was a sort of segue into Christmas films. Yeah. We also watched Last Christmas. We we did. That is the atrocious film with, what's it called, Amelia Clark. Yeah, I just thought it was stupid. It is stupid. What else? We started watching The Family Stone, but that looked a bit boring, so we turned it off and yep. just played on our phones. Because we're that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's difficult because it's not yet December, mm-hmm. so we don't want to waste the good films mm. this Die early. Yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will say, I think tonight we might watch something that Freya probably hates, which is Love Actually. Nope. <laughs> but Christmas aside, we do have to get back into spooky mode a little bit because we are about to introduce a paranormal podcast. Yes, indeed. They are good friends of the pod and it's our second interview special. We talk to our dear friends and paranormal podcasters, Hardly Paranormal. Jerry and Lacey have been podcasting and throwing scepticism at the unknown since early 2020. Their show features spooks, laughs and scientific theories of all things weird and wicked. Yeah, we had a great time interviewing Jerry and Lacey. Uh, really interesting to hear their horror film choices. Mm-hmm. And we will be releasing the rest of our top 10 horror special guest interviews mm-hmm. throughout December because horror is for life. Not just for Halloween. <laughs> this is absolutely true. I like that. Well done. That's very cool. So, please lend us your ears as we interview the fantastic Jerry and Lacey from Hardly Paranormal. Welcome, Jerry and Lacey. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. <laughs> is that good? Hello. <laughs> I'm not good at I mean, you, you sounded like you were Mike Myers there from Wayne's World, but yeah, no. Hello. <laughs> How are you guys doing? I don't, I don't often greet people. This is like the second time this month I've greeted another human being, so <laughs> I'm out of practice. I, I feel you. I've been working from home as well, and it feels like, what is this fellow human? Hello. <laughs> well, I'm misanthropic as well as a work from home type, so... Mm. Which is a deadly combination for me socially. This is maximum social distancing, so I, I, well well done, well done, well done, guys. We're being so responsible right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I should point out that uh, Jerry and Lacey are currently in America, where they live, uh, in Kansas, uh, and we're in London, UK, so this is lovely. It is lovely, and London doesn't sound anywhere near as exciting as Kansas. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
said no one. Ever. <laughs> I mean, you, you guys have, you guys have got the Wicked Witch of the East, and we've got what drill music, and that's that's about it. History, yeah. Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper, Boris. Not Johnson. anymore. Boris Johnson. <laughs> Wait, did Sherlock Holmes die? No. <laughs> So, we are here today to talk about your top 10 horror movies. I'm sure you're super prepared for this. Yeah, I yeah, hope. I am. Um, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, our first question. What was your first introduction to horror films? My dad watched scary movies uh, around me pretty early on. So, Army of Darkness was like the first kind of spooky one. And then when he went straight into like Dust Till Dawn. So. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. I would say the first horror movie I remember seeing was Poltergeist and being really jealous that like a a little girl basically got away from her family for several weeks while they tried to get her back from the spirit world. I was like, that sounds awesome. (laughs) You could go hang out in that goo filled portal, like with some ghosts. And uh, do you think the portal is goo filled or you just get goo filled after you come out? Maybe it's the doorway that does it. Oh yeah. And it's not, it's not what we're here for, but, and then like, Right after that, it was, like, Species, and then I saw Species when I was, like, eight, and, uh, with my mother, yeah, and then, like, Treehouse of Horror, you know, nice, a nice, uh, charcuterie board covered in various kinds of horror, I think, Amazing. and that was all, like, relatively within, like, the same, like, couple of years, because mm-hmm. Poltergeist, that was the, I know that's the first horror movie I saw, and I thought it was really cool but scared, like, I was scared, but I really liked it. Yeah. And now I hate it. <laughs> I hate Poltergeist now. Oh, wow, really? Well, it's because we have kids. Ah. And it changed the way that the movie affected us. So now I remember we rewatched it a couple of years ago. We were like, nope, nope, that hits a weird spot in our hearts. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. Turn it off. <laughs> they, they do ruin everything, don't they? Truly. Damn children. <laughs> so obviously you're both really into horror. What are you looking for in a horror film? What do you want to get from it? I don't know. I at this point, I feel like I'm not really afraid of too much. I don't get scared by movies much. Yeah. Um, jump scares don't really scare me. I'm so bad with jump scares. Like someone blows wind a little too hard, and I jump, <laughs> and then everyone makes fun of me for it. Sometimes when we're watching a scary movie and it's very quiet, I'll go <sighs> like that. I'll breathe in real sharply, and it scares her. <laughs> But no, I'm not really frightened by movies anymore. So what I'm looking for now is like originality. Mm. Something, show me something seen before. Show me something, you know, in a different light. I still will always watch vampire horror. Like anything with vampires. I just love vampires. But it's got to be like, it's really got to be doing something different. Not like Dracula 3000. What? That (laughs) masterpiece? I mean, something like uh, From Dust Till Dawn was a very original vampire film. And... I completely get that. But i got a sub-question for you. Without naming a film that's on your list, what is the most original horror film? Insidious, for me. Original? Really? Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. It can't be one that's on my list and one that's on my list. So, Insidious, it looks like it's going to be like a creepy haunted house story. And it's, like, wild. Like, yeah, the kid true. is possessed, and it's, like, mentioned, and... The, the demon has that weird workshop thing. Yeah, it was just really Darth Maul's different. <laughs> the one original thing with Insidious was halfway through the film, they actually move house. Mm. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, yeah, I, I, I'd do that. Spirit's still there? All right, shit. Um, can we move again? No. Okay, let's conquer it. Yeah, and the use of astral projection was interesting as well. I would say um, vampires in Brooklyn Ooh, yeah, was really... Good. Or or no, uh, vampire, vampires versus the Bronx. I'm thinking <laughs> of a vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy, which is a totally different movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's not that... Like, well, it's kind of original. Original in its own way. No, um, vampires versus the Bronx super original take on vampires and sort of having them represent gentrification yeah, in right. a neighborhood I thought was really well done and really like oh <laughs> because the, the villain could have been anything in the film mm. it just happened to be vampires mm. and I like that I thought that was yeah brilliant. I agree I think it's quite an underrated one I think maybe the title does it some injustice because it sounds a bit more frivolous yeah. than it is. But I thought it was a really good film. So what do you absolutely hate in a horror film? What do you avoid like the plague? Too much boning. I hate any yeah. horror movie that relies on just gratuitous, like, fake boobs. <laughs> you mean, by boat, you mean sex. Yeah. Not like the skeletons in the pool and poltergeist. Like, too much boning in that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> many skeletons. <laughs> There's a lot of courses in that one movie, the boning. I wasn't into it. <laughs> Yeah, I think unnecessary sex scenes and uh, over-reliance on jump scares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't... Like The Nun? Yes, The Nun. Oh my goodness. It's just That's musical trash. jump scares. Yeah. How many, how many actually genuinely frightening moments were in that movie? Zero. None. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Thank you, Jerry, for bringing <laughs> I... light entertainment to the podcast. My view of the jump scare is like it's if a clown came into the audience and tickled you and was like, ha you laughed. I was funny. Technically, I made you laugh funny. You could put a jump scare in a commercial. Like, it doesn't make it a horror commercial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't like that. But yeah, I'll avoid that like the plague. Like how people should avoid plagues, not like how they really do. Well, that's true, <laughs> yeah. 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 Satire. <laughs> right, let's crack on with your top tens. Are you ready for this? Yes. So ready. Lacey, what is your number ten? Our number 10 would be people under the stairs. Do you know what? Can I just point out that I praise you for picking people under the stairs. It's Wes Craven's almost forgotten film. It's a fantastic film. It's just interesting. I remember seeing it when I was really young and it seemed very different. And it's just, it's wild. It's yeah. a wild movie. And it's not like scary, but it is. It's, it's like unnerving. Yeah. Mm. I can't think of any other film like it. Mm-hmm. It came about a time when, just after the LA riots, I think it was, and there was like a whole lot of like racial tension. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And People on Stairs was kind of the early '90s version of what Get Out is. Some people haven't seen it, but it's a film that needs to be seen because I think that there's a misconception possibly about the film because the poster and maybe the trailer. You think like the people on the stairs are actually the bad people. They're really not. They're slaves, and it's just they're innocent kids. There's a yeah. such a hidden meaning in that film. It's it's a, it's a great choice. Well done. So Jerry. Number 10. Number 10 is It, but the Tim Curry made-for-TV two-part film. Okay, that's an interesting choice because obviously it's been remade fairly recently to great acclaim. What particularly draws you to the original adaptation? Honestly, there's only one real reason, I think, to to watch it, and it's Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. He is transformed in that film. You totally believe him 
as this weird demonic space clown monster like and i think he does something that was missing from the new pennywise which is when he's funny it's funny Mm. genuinely being a clown like i love in the library when he's like making fun of him and he's honking and like moving he's like riding the rail like the railing of the banisters around and stuff he's just acting silly but he's also being really scary because nobody else can see what richie's seeing so he's just starting to have his own personal freak out i love that especially when i forget who's in i think i want to say it's ben when he's driving out of Derry and he sees pennywise on the side of the road just waving and Mm. It gives me shivers just thinking about it. So he, he found a way to be funny and interesting and scary. Yeah. Because it's like, you want to know more about him. You want to see him on the screen more. And I think one of the scariest moments of the film for me is when they're looking through the photo album and the picture starts moving and there's the moment where Pennywise is in the picture just kind of being a clown and he notices them watching him. Mm. And that part, like, freaked me out it still freaks me out a little bit and then he runs and he's like yelling at them and oh man like one of the scariest situations you can be in as a kid is having to deal with an adversary who is an adult and this is not just an adult it's an adult that is obviously more than just an adult but no one else knows about no there's no you can't get your parents to help all their parents are oblivious or, or abusive it's so well done it focuses more on his performance, I think. I, I think the new one was good, but it it felt like it was like, hey, it's a horror movie. Isn't he scary? Like, look mm. how scary all this stuff is. Then I don't think the original one did that as much. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. And I think that the book was less kind of focused on the ultra scary and more of the kind of psychological torment than the, the remake is. So I feel like, yeah. even though I think that there's a lot wrong with the miniseries, it's... Definitely the best performance of the clown. It's just a shame that all the other actors let it down so much. <laughs> Don't have a go at Seth Green like that. Come on. Those kids really need to get it together. <laughs> okay, Lacey, number nine. Right. Gonna go with the ring. Right, hold on. Is that the American remake or the Japanese? Not ring you, but ring. Okay. What is it about the ring that you really like? It's just so interesting, and it does do jump scares, but not obnoxiously. I remember I was like 12 when I saw it in the movies, and when she comes out of the screen, I lost my shit. It was the scariest thing I'd ever seen, and I didn't sleep for days, and it was just it was fun. I didn't find scary at all. You weren't a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> no, as soon as they were like, if you watch this VHS tape, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's not scary. Like, what if it was just a few years earlier? They're like, if you watch this Betamax, <laughs> later you die. I completely agree, Lacey. I was probably around the same age when both the, like, the first one, the Japanese version and the remake came out. And my brother is actually really into Japanese films. And so I've seen, I saw, I think maybe saw the Japanese one first. But both just scared the crap out of me, I guess, because I wasn't really into horror films at the time and I was very young. So, yeah, really shit me up. <laughs> Have you seen the... <laughs> I, can't, I can't ask a question after you say shit me up. Oh, sorry. But, um... <laughs> oh, man, I'm stealing that. That's fabulous. <laughs> that was a killer oh, last line. Um, have you seen the Japanese version afterwards, the Ringu? Yeah, um, a couple... Months after the um, VHS release of The Ring, because me and my friend were obsessed with it, 
Like, we had to learn everything about this movie that scared us so much. And then we saw the Japanese one, which is pretty scary, but, eh. First time I ever saw Ring, Naomi Watts version, I was disappointed. But then I watched Ring 2, and I was even more disappointed. So I was like, well, the Ring can't be that bad, because the Ring 2 is terrible. But, yeah, no, honestly, I do think the Ring is actually pretty freaky. And, and also, what I will say is that it introduced a lot of people into horror. You know, it was a mainstream film with, like, maybe not big Hollywood actors, but, you know, it made a shit ton of money. And that's really positive. I I love it when a horror film makes shit ton of money because it just means that there's more people going to see horror and I can be accepted in society. I feel like it also laid the groundwork for more Asian horror movies to make it to an English-speaking audience. Because The Grudge, The Host... Train to Busan, like, Mm. those are all, like, top-tier horror movies that I don't think we would have been exposed to if The Ring didn't lay out that groundwork of, like, look, it can be scary. Yeah, definitely. So, Jerry, (laughs) number nine. Uh, Number nine for me is the original Pet Cemetery. Nice. Uh, It's so weird and so unnerving throughout. If you're not familiar with the book, like, you just don't know what's happening Mm. or, like, why anything is happening. Would you like to be buried there? No, yeah, so, yeah, let's talk about that super fast. Also, the Ramones song, Pet Cemetery is, Good. like, yeah. one of my favorite songs yeah. of all time. Yeah. And Starcrawler recently did a cover of it, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to live my life again. So, <laughs> thank you. But, like, the kid is freaky. It has, it has everything. It has, like, loss. It has sort of the joy of starting a new life and, and meeting new people, their neighbors are really awesome. And then, like, there's, you know, obviously the loss of a the child. Then there's, like, the terror of what if you could have your baby back, but it's not your baby back mm. ribs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the neighbor, his neighbor is so iconic. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, I wouldn't go down that road there. <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> iconic. Um, I do have a gripe. When the kid becomes, when the kid comes back, the dad doesn't want to just kick him. Yeah. Like, I love Theo, but I would kick him so hard. <laughs> if he was an evil zombie. If he was a yeah. zombie. Mm-hmm. Well, also, like, when the cat comes back and the cat is, like, a demonic asshole cat, they're just like, hmm, that's weird. Like, <laughs> not the cat came back to life, maybe something went wrong, we should get rid of the cat again. <laughs> they're just like, oh, well, cats are jerks, what do you want? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, do you know what? I hate that film. I absolutely <laughs> hate Pet Cemetery, both the original and the remake but i the only reason why i hate it is because i saw it kind of recently and it was just very campy but not in a way that i like like the whole track star who's like disappearing and vanishing through people yeah like you at one point he's like don't go into it stay away and then a coach drives through him and it was like i'm sure when i was like 10 that was like oh that's scary and now in my thir- 40s <laughs> yeah yeah i'm in my 40s uh i was like nah mate come on come on really but i will say one thing it still has one of the most horrific scenes that i've ever seen ever and that's when the little kid and the neighbor and there's a knife and there's an Achilles heel, or there was an Achilles heel. That just, nah, nah, bro. Nah, I'm not having that. Nah, 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 nah. I knew that was what you were going to say. I was yeah. like, that's the part that freaks me out. <laughs> nah, nah. 
Well, and also, there's a lot of stuff missing from the book. They don't really talk too much in the film about the connection between the burial ground and the local community and the Wendigo, and how the Wendigo is influencing people, uh, and that's why yeah. his neighbor shows him the area. Um, and in the book, there's that really spooky scene where they're walking through the mist to get to the cemetery, and he sees, the, the father sees the Wendigo, but he doesn't know that that's what he's seeing. And there's there's just there's more going on that's left out of the movie that makes parts of the movie not make a whole lot of sense. Mm. And I, I will say that is one thing I don't like about it. But it hits a it hits the folk horror button for me. Mm. And uh, in a way that a lot of other folk horror films fall short for me. So that's kind of why I like it. Also, I mean, who would not be tempted about a magical burial ground where you could bring your loved ones back? Like, I think anyone would be slightly tempted by that. No, no, not at I all. Mean, they have their well, time. I mean, provided you've never seen the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough horror films to be like, nah, nah, you're right. You had your time, Gramps. Crack on. All right, Lacey, number eight. Army of Darkness. Yes, yes, girl. I'm loving your list so far. Well, like, it's not horror, but it's everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a classic. Yeah. It would be, like, way, way higher up, but I'm aware that it's not scary. So it had to be on there because my love for it, but it's not scary. It just has skeletons. I used to be <laughs> scared of the scene with all the little ashes. Really? That used to freak me out when I was a kid. I had such a crush on Bruce Campbell. I'm like, how? Oh, yes. Ooh, there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of them now. <laughs> the more the merrier. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I think the only part that really scared me was um, when he goes down into that, like, pit. Yeah. And oh, yeah. That's the only part that got me but otherwise it's all great it just has so many incredible quotable lines as well got plans for you girly girl yep uh <laughs> this this is my yeah. boomstick yeah i i yeah. could quote that film all day i love that film well done lacy oh god bless you my number eight is the thing Ooh, the very original nice. quick anecdote about the thing we went to see the remake which is also really good um, and I think it ties into the original really well. And it wasn't until about 15, 20 minutes into it that Lacey found out that it was not about Ben Grimm, <laughs> the thing from the Fantastic Four. It was actually... I thought it was an origin story. And then once they got to, like, the stuff that started, you know, being spooky, I remember, because I know what the thing is, the original, I'm like, oh, oh. Keep in mind, we're in the theater, and all of a sudden she goes, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, Real Kurt Russell. Like, Not Jessica Alba. Right, I got ya. Yeah, that was awesome. No, I love it. I think it was, it's one of those first movies, the first movie I remember seeing that had body horror, where, you know, people's bodies were deforming. and the, yeah. the mirror. Not just, yeah, not just my everyday looking in the mirror, yeah. And the oh. creature could be anything, and it could, like, create little drones out of body parts, and um, how you couldn't you couldn't really trust anybody. Mm. I thought that was really cool. And it has one of my favorite things in movies where at the end, the dog is running off. And they're like, no, get the dog, get the dog. And the dog just gets away. Yeah. And it's like, that's it. Like, the monster got away. Like, <laughs> like it, it won. The bad guy won. Like, he got away. He killed all those people and he bailed. Like, it's awesome. It's brutal. It just never happens in movies. I can think of a handful of movies like that, and that's one of them. Also, flamethrowers to kill things. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who doesn't like that in a movie, <laughs> um, but it's based on a book called "Who Goes There" that is very spooky, and I highly recommend to horror readers. Nice. 
the did, do you have an experience with the thing outside of thinking he was a member of the Fantastic Four? <laughs> I've seen the movie. I just we went to go see the thing, and superhero movies were getting really popular that year. And oh, it's a list of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's adorable. I love that. It made the movie more interesting. So like, all right, we're like at a whole wow, new movie now. Wow, why is it Arctic? Like Reed Richards gonna be there? That's, that's how they meet. It's team story. I mean, oh, it's that's adorable. It's only got me thinking that I really want to see a thing versus the thing film now. <laughs> I mean, somebody call Hollywood. I mean, I've got an idea. Well, because presumably the 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 thing couldn't penetrate the rock body. Exactly. You know, he'd be immune. Kurt Russell would be fine with Ben Grimm around. It'd be awesome. Nice. The Human Torch actually probably be the most useful of the. Oh yeah. There you go. The Fantastic Four versus the Thing. You know, Invisible (laughs) Woman doesn't do much, but you know, it's it's fine. She's there. She's fine. Zombies. They can do this. Yeah. Yeah. If they could do Marvel zombies, they could do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Lacey, number seven. Zombie Land. Okay. Right on. Okay. Fair enough. And what is it about Zombie Land that you love? It's fun and it's scary and it's more realistic people getting stuck in zombie. It's kind of self-aware, too. Yeah. It kind of knows it's a zombie film. My favorite Mm. scary movies are funny scary movies, so it it hits that spot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also like that it has a unique take on the zombie apocalypse, Mm -hmm. where it's like, what about the people that are just having a good time? What would you choose as your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? Ooh, it had to be something quiet. Yeah. But I don't know how to use a arrow i would actually go with um because we're watching that show evil and mm. there's the bit where she has the ice axe oh yeah that she uses to climb i would use that it's effective and it's like a tool what if there's a horde i wouldn't be in that situation <laughs> i'm not gonna hang out where there's people go oh what if you're surrounded i was like no i'm gonna be like in montana where like 18 people live mm. and there's no if i spend one day killing 20 zombies i've cleared the state of zombies <laughs> it's all mine <laughs> Now, see, I think that what I would have is short-range bladed weapon, like an ice pick, and then I would have a long-range bladed weapon, like a scythe, and then my vehicle would be a combine harvester. I love how terrifying you would look in the zombie apocalypse, just like long woman carrying a scythe. You need like a cloak, and it needs to be a Oh, don't you worry, babe, I'm going to have a cloak on. I've already got one. <laughs> I think I would literally just have a chainsaw on a bad idea. So, I, but I, chainsaws, right. chainsaws, you need petrol for. Okay, I'll get a, a canister of petrol and a bad idea. Okay. I think I would go on a building and just drop stuff on zombies, just seeing like what does the most, just for fun. Just like, ooh, I actually found a piano. <laughs> Did oh right, okay, that reminds me. Did you ever hear that they were going to make a Zombieland TV show? Where each week, yes. where they going to have a zombie kill of the week. Yeah. I would have paid cash money. That's a great idea. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Although maybe yeah. not have Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harlson because they'd be busy doing stuff. Hollywood stuff. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood stuff. Get yeah, Zach Efron. Too. He's not busy at the moment, is he? <laughs> Zach Efron you know and Matthew Broderick. Busy. Somebody if call them. Busy, get them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> My God, Hollywood! You need to listen to this podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
all these good movie ideas. All right, okay. Jerry, number seven. Number seven for me is Jeepers Creepers. We actually recently rewatched this. Yeah. Like a couple weeks ago. I saw it when I was a teenager. And uh, it's just, it's so incredibly original and strange. And it starts off as one kind of movie. And then it turns into a different kind. And then it ends as a different kind of movie. Because in the beginning, it's just your typical driving through middle America. You're seeing some kind of weird redneck killer. And then they go to investigate, and it's there's obviously something really crazy going on. It almost has like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel. Mm. Then they find out, like, they deal with him directly. They find out he's not a person. And then as the movie progresses, things get weirder and weirder. There's the psychic that contacts yeah. them. And then it's like, he's a demon. <laughs> <laughs> the movie just keeps getting crazier as it goes on. And I remember the writer saying that he created the every 23 years for 23 days it eats. He created that specifically so there couldn't be any sequels. Jokes on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Ah, uh, like Hollywood found a way. I always thought um, Jeepers Creepers no, was like Jewel, but with a demon. Yeah, I uh, can agree to that, yeah. And I thought that was a good concept. <laughs> now that's interesting because another film you've chosen where the bad guy wins. Oh, oh. yeah, it's one of my favourite like things in a film. Yes. Um, it's why this one got on the list, because he does, he gets away, he gets Gary. Yeah, and uh, at the end you see him looking through Derry's eye hole. That's actually Justin Long in makeup, though, which yeah. I'm sure you probably know. I'm sure by now you know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I really so, love yeah. that. Instead that of ending. putting a contact in the creeper, they just had the dude whose eye it's supposed to be. <laughs> You're gonna find that the bad guys winning is a theme to a lot of the films on my list, as it turns out. No, I'm into it. Sure, There's a lot of. Well, I remember the first time I saw something like that and I identified it as, oh, the bad guy won and that's a way a story can end, was in Arlington Road when, spoilers, the bad guy wins. <laughs> and I was like, oh, a story can end that way. And that changed, you know, it was so rare to me. And now I found out in horror it happens all the damn time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's not just that he wins, it's how he wins. That's the more important part. The, the, and the, the friends he made along the way. Obviously, yeah, obviously. <laughs> also, Tim Robbins is a bad guy. How great is that? Tim Robbins makes I'm a very sure good baddie. He is 17 years old. Someone has to have seen it besides me. <laughs> okay, that's on our to-do list. Yeah, so I've got The Thing versus The Thing. Starcrawler, because I want to hear the Pet Cemetery cover. That's it. Those two things, I've got that. I will check out those things. Not to drag that out but as a, another piece of movie trivia that I know that you might not know, is that when John Carpenter made The Thing, uh, he, was, he was amazed at how scary people thought it was, and he felt that he needed to come up with a way to apologize, and he made Starman, which was his way of being like, I'm sorry I scared you, here is a more interesting film Aww. that is less scary. And it came out, I think, within the same general area as E.T., even though the premise is yeah. essentially the same. But E.T. was so much more popular that hardly anyone has ever seen Starman, and it's a masterpiece. It's an utter masterpiece. It's a great film. I do love Starman. Just off the top of my head, a little bit of knowledge about uh, an interesting fact about The Thing was that, uh, you know the beginning where The Thing comes up and it melts away? That was a fish tank. Oh, and all they did was cut The Thing into it and then burn it, and that was it. You haven't seen the original in a long time, have you? It's been a long time. We'll have to rewatch it, and you'll see what he's talking about. Oh, it's that's the, awesome. It's the opening. It's fantastic. So simple. Absolutely fantastic. 
Lacey, what is your number six? Bride of Chucky. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. And I, I think it was the first time I started getting into, like, not horror movies, but, like, whatever it is Bride of Chucky is. Weirdness. Mm. Like, spooky-themed films. Yeah, that are also, like, funny and gory. I think horror comedy. Yeah. I think it's when it started getting real. And then, it's so stupid, but I love it. In the movie, they go to his tombstone, um, Chucky's, and he died November 9th, 1988, in Hackensack, New Jersey. And that's, like, that's my birthday, birthday. <laughs> and where we lived, and I was so excited. I, I didn't know that when I was watching the movie, so I think I was, like, 11 or something. I was like, holy shit, holy shit, what does this mean? It means nothing, <laughs> but... <laughs> very. That's so cool. And also... The guy who he's backing up from the van when he's oh yeah the friend and he gets run over yeah and he was named after a kid we grew up with he wasn't named after him but he has the same name as a kid we grew up with it's really (laughs) oh my god this movie it's like our lives (laughs) (laughs) and do you have a kind of affinity with Tiffany because I love her I wanted to be her so much I want to be her as a doll I want to be her as Jennifer Tilly like all of the areas of who she is yeah is who I want to be. Lacey and I have a leather jacket. Hair. Am I not allowed to say that? Yeah. Lacey used to have black hair. I um, tried the emo thing, but it turns out when you have ginger freckles, it doesn't quite work. It's mm, an unfortunate <laughs> combination, yeah. So yeah. You, you love a Dra- film that has an overuse of, like, Dracula by Rob Zombie, yeah? Who doesn't? Yes, absolutely oh, I do. We were just talking about this last night. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's like, what movie has it been in? Like, I don't know. What is it? Hellbelly Deluxe. You know, that is essentially an advert for that album. Yeah. Which is which is fine. We all like a bit of Rob Zombie, especially Rob Zombie. But yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's a very fun film. And it's, it's very meta, actually. A few years yeah. before Bride of Chucky was The Blair Witch Project, which we just chatted to Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories. And we all like Book of Shadows, which was a very meta film. Don't you laugh at me, Jerry. I don't <laughs> mind that film. I don't mind that no, film. That, that film did a lot to inform my budding pubescence. And uh, <laughs> I learned a lot about the possibilities of makeup and clothing uh, from the opposite sex from that film. <laughs> I will flat out say Bride of Chucky is a fantastic film. So good for you. You have a great list because I looked at your list and I was like, oh, damn. Like, I forgot about that movie. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Okay, Jerry, here's your opportunity to hit back. What's your number six? Um, my number six is another sort of meta film. It is also a film where the bad guy wins at the end, and that is Cabin in the Woods. Very Ooh. nice. Easily one of the best horror movies of like the last 20 years. Yeah. Mm. Everything about it, I love. I, I like the tropes that it explores. I love that there's one character who's basically like, like we should split up. And he's like, really? Like, what? No. <laughs> That's dumb. I also like the people that work in the organization mm-hmm. and how just sort of banal the whole process is for them. Like people getting murdered, there's monsters and they're all just kind of like, it's like a regular office environment. Mm-hmm. Like to me, they're the audience. They're us just being bored by watching people get killed over and over again in yeah. creative and weird ways. And at the end, the gods wake up and none of it really mattered. I love that. Yeah. One gripe I have for the whole film is there's the scene with Chris Hemsworth when he goes to jump the canyon mm-hmm. and he crashed force field. The fact that they showed the force field earlier in the film... There was an owl flew into it, wasn't it? Yeah, and it would have been more of a surprise if, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I it get completely that. detracted from the impact of that moment for sure. Um, I really I would be curious to know why they did that. My only kind of it's not a complaint, but where the hell did they get all of those things? The creatures. Yeah. Where did they is come a from? Mermaid. Yeah. Oh, from the sea. Huh. All right. Well, then. Not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what do fishermen say on Halloween? I don't know. <laughs> Trick or trout. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, hate this I was I was waiting. Thank you for this Yeah, right. So known this was gonna come, okay? I was waiting for it. Yeah. So who had an hour and five minutes? Yeah, who, who had that? <laughs> I've got an interesting fact for you about Cabin in the Woods, and that's the guy Marty, the stoner guy. He was more muscular. Than Chris Hemsworth whilst making Cabin in the Woods. So they had to cover him up with cardigans and thick tops just to hide his <laughs> muscles. Because apparently he's a bit of a beefcake. That's awesome. <laughs> that would have been a great reveal at the end. Like... Yeah. <laughs> he ripped his shirt off. <laughs> muscles. So we're at the halfway point in your top 10. And before we get to your top 5, we would love to hear your honourable mentions. Ooh. You should go first because I like yours a lot. One of mine is Ghost Story. We were just scrolling through um, Hulu and just saw this one. And I can't explain it without giving away the whole story. It's but, Martin Freeman. Yeah, and it was oh, right. so okay. good. I never want to fucking watch it again, ever again. <laughs> it was amazing, but never. Why don't you hit the halfway point every 10 minutes? You're like, what the fuck? What the hell is <laughs> happening? What the hell? Like, it's yeah. a, a traumatic experience. It's so good, but good lord. Very scary. There's a segment in that with uh, an actor called Paul Whitehouse, who in England, he's uh, a comedic actor. He was part of um, uh, uh, Harry Enfield and Chums and uh, what else? Other stuff. Other stuff. Bunch of stuff where people are laughing. And to see him playing a very dramatic role as the, uh, the night security guy was quite a leap. For him, but he did it really, really well. It was it was a very effective film. I, I I appreciate that. One of mine was the Twilight Zone movie. John Lithgow oh. doing the the thing on the wing. You know what's funny about that scene is uh, we had a show. I don't know if you had this show there, but we had a show here called Third Rock on the Sun. Yeah, which was about a bunch of aliens. Yeah, and there's a, there's one where John Lithgow meets he meets with William Shatner playing another character. And yeah. they go, oh, how was your flight? He goes, it was horrible. <laughs> there was this thing on the wing, and John Lithgow goes, that happened to me too. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> a good shout. <laughs> and I was like, I know what that's talking about. I know what they're referencing. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the Twilight Zone movie has like some of the best scares without jump scaring. And it's creepy, and it was like a really cool update. It's what you want when they make a movie out of a show. You want it to be like, let's do this plus plus. You know, mm. that's what it was. Have you got any more to add? Yeah, Little Monsters. It's a zombie movie that came out a couple years ago, and I'll never be able to pronounce a woman's name. Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. And it has Josh Gad as the foul mouth womanizing like children's entertainer. He is absolutely brilliant. He's a child entertainer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's like a like a Rainbow Randolph kind of character. Absolutely awesome. The first ten minutes of the main character, I'm like, oh, I hate this movie. And once I got into it, I'm like, okay, I love it now. <laughs> Very creative zombie movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I oddly, uh, and I don't know the guy's name, but I oddly like the uncle 
Yeah, I thought he was the, he kind of does that, he has that role in a zombie movie that I think is in almost every zombie movie. There's one person where you're just like, how the fuck are you still alive? Yeah. Why are you here? My other one is Vampires vs. the Bronx. Oh. Which we talked about. Yeah, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. we talked. What do you like about Vampires vs. the Bronx? I like that it had a lot of like um, callbacks to really good horror movies very like lost boys kind of theme mm. and then but it is also really original so it had kind of mm-hmm. nostalgia and like oh that's cool mm. yeah homage to what came before it yeah yeah while treading new ground totally my last two is my last two my only other two honorable mm-hmm. mentions is dead time stories that is a film that so there's like this period of time in the 80s when there were like tons of these horror anthology movies being made and um, I love basically all of them. I think they're all fantastic. Mm. They're these small bite-sized stories. Dead Time Stories is one that I've probably seen like 25 times. And it just has a great feel of a story you would tell a kid that you hated. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the same tradition as like uh, Body Bags. Oh, that I love that film. And he's telling all weird stories. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I love that stuff. Um, and then my other one is... I almost didn't include this because it's technically not a horror, is Silence of the Lambs. No, no, it is, it's the Oscar-winning horror film, so fair play. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the scene at the very end when Clarice is in the room, she's in that, that room looking for the killer, and all the lights are out, and he has the night vision on, mm. and it's so tense because she's so she comes really close to him, and he even reaches out a little bit just, mm. to, just to emphasize how close he is. And uh, I think it's the perfect representation of what he is as a serial killer. What serial killers are in our society, where they are right there, right next to you, as your neighbor, as the guy you you know you ride on the train to work. Their husband. Your husband. <laughs> You're right there where you can't see them. And you have no idea the immense amount of danger you're in. Mm-hmm. That scene, I feel like, is so scary because it's so tense, but it's also scary because it's like, this is really what he does all the time. Mm. This is a date real people can be in and are in all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. tremendous. It was only recently that I realized that Buffalo Bill, uh, Ted Levine, is based on Ted Bundy. Because Ted Bundy used to have a broken arm, uh, pretend to have a cast on his arm and get people to help him into cars. And I never put those two together. I feel quite thick for not realising that. (laughs) So, I think you both have mentioned some good honourable mentions. And if I'm honest, I'm a little bit worried because, Jerry, you've mentioned the only Oscar-winning horror film in your honourable mentions, I cannot wait to hear your top five. But you are you are going to have to wait because, Lacey, what is your number five? The Frighteners. I love that movie. Oh, yes. That's such a good movie. Okay, so tell us more. It goes along with most of the horror movies I like. It's funny and it's scary, but also has a lot of heart in that one. And it's just really cool. Like mm. with the numbers on the head and stuff. It's mm. just... Really original concept. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember watching that movie as a kid and be like, oh my God, I want to move to Maine and live there forever. <laughs> and then like last year I found out it was New Zealand. Yeah. Like, ah, shit. <laughs> my life dreams based on that movie aren't even real. <laughs> oh. 
it's a good shout for a film. Uh, I've, uh, I mean, obviously uh, it's a Peter Jackson film who went on to do Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, blah blah blah. The Frighteners was essentially his first real mainstream film because he'd done things like Brain Dead, Meet the Feebles, even Heavenly Creatures, which was like kind of a drama. It was like a quite a dark drama, and The Frighteners was his first mainstream film and then he went on and did Lord of the Rings so you know it was a good little taster and I know Spielberg had his thumb in there somewhere what I will say is that like Spielberg it was Kathleen Kennedy I don't think it was DreamWorks but it was something do with Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Oz so but yes Frighteners is a fantastic film. I love everything about that film, definitely. Also I really love uh just Michael J. Fox is in a horror movie. Mm. Like, that's rad. Yeah. Tinkle doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, my number five is Creepshow 2. Another one of those films, horror anthology. Not that I don't love Creepshow. I think the original Creepshow is really good. I think Creepshow 2, like, hits the mark. It has some of the spookiest and I think most, like, unnerving stories I've seen in a horror anthology. Particularly, The Raft is good one job. of the most terrifying short stories i've ever heard of and the raft uh while also being super terrifying the bad guys win at the end which one's the second half there's the raft and chief woodhead um that one's awesome yeah it's like a great revenge story and it doesn't really like there's nothing explained Mm. it's just like and this happened and it's spooky (laughs) now it's over there's the first one from it is actually the one i always struggle to remember there's a there's another anthology called the willies not your version of the willies uh, but it's like the heebie-jeebies mm-hmm. and um there's a story from that that i always think is from creep show too and it's totally not by the way the willies has sean astin in it i highly recommend you awesome. check it out no no but it's um this lady she's like having an affair and then she sees a hitchhiker but she doesn't want to pick him up because she thinks he's dangerous and she hits him by accident and then leaves him and then she gets in a car accident, and he's, like, after her, and he's, like, a zombie. Oh, my God, yes! I always think that that one's from Dead Time Stories. Yes, I know the one you mean. I know the one you mean. Moving on to number four, Lacey. Lost Boys. Ah, oh. oh, okay, okay. I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to let Freya and Lacey chat about this, because I know how Freya feels about this. I didn't like it. So come on, Lacey. Why do you love it? Sell it to Freya. it's fun and spooky and there's so much fucking glitter i love it it's got alex winters in it oh i don't know what your deal with alex winters is but i hate him he's adorable he's like he looks like he's 12 and everything he's in i mean there's like this weird shirtless saxophone thing going on selling point sold just like 10 minutes of just like him going crazy on the sax it's amazing Nothing to do with the story. <laughs> it's just skills. Just the aesthetic. He's like air humping and stuff. It's really it's wild. I heard it's half of the budget was on baby oil for that one guy. <laughs> yeah. And like all the glitter blood. <laughs> Only baby oil and glitter blood. Mm-hmm. So real quick, you know this. I know. Maybe, I don't know if Fre- uh, Freya knows this. So do you know that it's called the Lost Boys because they can fly and they're young forever, like the Lost Boys from Peter Pan. Mm. And that's why the one guy is called Michael. Oh. You didn't know that? No. You're Adam. Get out of my face. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And there was a comic that tied into it, 
and uh, it starred like the Frog Brothers, and it was like them going after vampires. And there was a, there was one titled A Hunt for Frogs, <laughs> and it was like the Frog uh, Brothers hunting vampires. It was awesome. Cool. Why I still don't like, like it? it though. <laughs> okay, but like like serious question: What happens if vampire bites you in the winter? I don't know. Frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just because of that, I I now like Lost Boys. <laughs> okay, so that was your number four, Jerry. What is your number four? My number four is the 1972 Tales from the Crypt, where the crypt keeper is not like a jangly skeleton; it's like a dude in a robe. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's four people that are kind of on like a tour of like an old historical site, and they come into this chamber. And it closes, and they're trapped in this stone chamber with this guy, and he, the crypt keeper, and he tells them all their fortunes. He tells them their futures, and in each of their future stories, it's like an anthology, and in each of their futures, they die, or something really horrible happens to them. I, I think they all die, actually. No, <laughs> But it's a, there's one with, like, the chick. She kills her husband. She's, like, rich, and it's on Christmas Eve, and she kills her husband. And she's hiding the murder scene while her daughter is asleep upstairs. And the radio is playing, and she's not listening, but the radio is telling about a serial killer that is on the loose, dressed as Santa Claus. And the, he's trying to get in their house, and she's like, oh my god! And she's locking doors, and the daughter lets him in because she sees Santa outside, and he kills them. <laughs> like, that's as it. You do. As you do. Then at the end, they're all like, well, those stories all suck. So is it like we change what we're doing and those things won't happen? And he's like, no, these things have already happened. You're all dead. You have to leave. And when you leave, you're basically going to fall into the void. And one guy's like, well, then I'm not leaving. He's like, that is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> and he boots him out into the vastness of oblivion. <laughs> but it's just awesome. It's, it's, got, it's a 1970, so you have like really vibrant colors. Like everything is... The saturation is turned all the way up and um, just really lush sets. And they don't talk like normal people. It's heightened reality. It's all melodrama, you know? Hmm. And I love it. I, I love everything about it. I'll watch it whenever it's on or if I can find it. I have to admit, I I don't think I've seen that film. It, it's 72, so is that Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee? Uh, I believe it's Peter Cushing, actually. During the 70s, there was only two actors who appeared in horror films it was even christopher lee and... well there was also michael goff who was in a lot of stuff with both of those gentlemen okay there were four because there was michael goff there was christopher lee there was peter cushing and roddy mcdowell was in just a bunch <laughs> yeah, of films just a bunch of films and then in, and then fred astaire got involved somewhere along the line Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. But it came out at a time when the Tales from the Crypt comic book was still in publication. And they just, I think they really just didn't have the budget to do like the Crypt Keeper. So they made it an artistic choice of making him just an old monk looking character. Right. And I think it was a really smart choice because it adds an air of mystery to the whole thing. Like, to be fair, the chamber they're in behind him is like a large stone skull sort of suggesting the Crypt Keeper. But it adds to the mystery of the thing, because as far as they know, like this is just some guy mm. like who's just in this weird ruin, and he's telling them creepy stories and kind of being a dick about it. And they're <laughs> like, 
well, we're going to go now. And he's like, ah, psych, you're already dead. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, oh, Crypt Keeper. <laughs> it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. I, I'm so game for that. We are into the top three. So, Lacey, what is your number three? That'd be the Dawn of the Dead remake. So the one done in the early 2000s. That's a good show. Love that. I really, really love that. It's the first one that. I ever cried during. Which bit? When the dad is like turning into a zombie and the daughter's crying. And I don't cry at anything because I don't have like a heart. But like <laughs> that got me. The intro to that movie was like the first really good intro I've ever seen. Besides like, like second be like Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Like I was so pumped for the movie to start. It was so good. Zombieland does that too. Yeah. Mm. Also on your list. Yeah, I like a good beginning. Yeah, I love that that one doesn't mess around. It's like right away, like yeah. boom, kicking the teeth. Like we're doing zombies, run! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dawn of the Dead remake is such a good film, and it was it Zack Snyder's first film. Yeah, it was yeah. so unnerving. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's so really good. well handled. Really well done. Well done. I feel. I feel like Zack Schneider understood that the zombies were a backdrop, mm. that they weren't the conflict, you know? It's the people. And I feel like that, like, he got it right in a way, like, Walking Dead gets it wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. We're like, the zombies, like, that's just what's happening. That's why they're in this situation. The situation is the conflict. And he got it, like, perfect. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a, like, a main character. Yeah. In a horror movie, and that's really cool. In the early 2000s. Yeah. There are a lot of strong female leads, which is one of the reasons that I really love the genre. Well, see, the final girl is a fantastic concept. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, uh, just recently there's been, not just recently, 10 years ago, there was a film called uh, You're Next, which had uh, a very strong and independent final girl. And she reminded me of Ripley in, like, Alien, you know? Yeah, it's really good, you know, it's like, well, you're expecting this person to be a victim, but she ends up being the one who wins out over everyone. Yeah, Mm. and quite often and more often um, than not recently, you know, in recent years, it's, they are a badass. Yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so sick of us falling down in the woods and just being dead. Like, I like us, you know, getting there. Yeah. Strong woman. Okay, Jerry, number three. Number three on my list is Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. This is another, like, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, um, Michael Goff, like, <laughs> horror anthology. Is Roddy McDowell in strangers. it? I actually think he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is, actually. So it's, it's, a bunch, it's a bunch of strangers on a train. They're all in a train car together. They're on their way to a place. And they're all sitting, you know, just kind of minding their own business, being generally friendly. And a mysterious older man comes in, played by Peter Cushing. And he has a, his little hat, and he has, like, makeup on, like, obviously makeup. And he introduces himself as Dr. Shrek. And they're like, Shrek, isn't that German? And it's, like, the 70s. So we're all like, is it German? Like, <laughs> and he says, yeah, it means terror. He goes, it's kind of a misnomer, because I'm actually very mild. Which, if you have to explain that to someone, you're probably a serial killer. <laughs> and he tells them that he studies people. And he has a tarot deck. And this is at a time when people didn't know a lot about tarot decks. He calls the tarot deck his house of horrors because you draw four cards and it reveals to you your fortune. And the fifth card reveals how to reverse your fortune. So one by one, he gets them all to do this and he tells a story. And 
Christopher Lee plays an art critic who is a total skeptic and does not want to hear any of this guy's bullcrap. And his story is like my favorite one because it's got Michael Goff in it as an artist. And basically like he pulls a prank to make the critic look like a dickhead by going like, this piece is amazing. This is the line and the form. And he's like, ah, I was painted by a chimp dumbass. And like, (laughs) then he looks like a fool and he like runs over the artist with his car and his hand comes off, and then the hand is, like, coming for him for the rest <laughs> of the movie. It's so stupid. Uh, I love it. But it's, again, very, like, the visuals are beautiful. Everything's really bright and saturated. And you're getting, like, a collection of actors together doing their favorite kind of thing in scenes together. Christopher Lee is is maximum Christopher Lee in it. It's him at his most imperious you know, sort of like looking down at people and Peter Cushing being the character actor that he is. It's like I said, the, the, the title also, like how can you not love the title? Dr. Terror's house of horrors is just so camp and awesome, <laughs> but it's a great anthology and all of the fortunes that they have in their future are not mundane. One's like, you're going to get uh, axed by a mummy. You're going to have a zombie hand come after you. Like <laughs> they're all like really crazy uh, and ridiculous. That's your third uh, anthology in a row. And yeah. I mean, I completely am on the same page. I love an anthology horror. Mm. But are there any that you've seen that are just total rubbish? Uh, Clive Barker's anthologies are always kind of garbage. I don't really understand people's obsession with Clive Barker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like the Chris Angel of horror directors. <laughs> I just can't stand his <laughs> style, his taste. Everything's so deep and everything's like so edgy. Well, shut up like just make a movie that's decent yeah not not really like i'm up for most of them but i will say i do have a leaning towards anything from like the 60s to the 80s sure that is like prime anthology territory mm-hmm. whoa whoa, whoa. hold on hold on oh what about trick or treat the the one with sam the pumpkin head guy are you not a fan of that one it's 50 50 for me some of it is really good but some of it is really stupid interesting Um, it just doesn't like it doesn't hit them i think that's what makes the anthologies that i like so good is they do have one kind of common thread so Mm. like they'll either all be written by the same person or different writers but same director you know so there's at least something that links the styles together even though the stories are so different and some of them are all directed and written by the same people so Mm. it's you know let's see this person tell different stories but that one yeah it's same thing with holidays. I think they just had too many differing styles and some of them were okay and some of them were not so okay. Mm. But yeah, trick or treat, same way. I'm ambivalent to it. <laughs> don't you'll, hate it, but I don't it like happen. it. I will allow it to continue, yes. <laughs> trick or treat is a staple for our Halloween viewing and it's Michael Dofty who did like uh, Superman Returns. One of the best Superman films and I will mm-hmm. not have anybody shake their head at me in any way, shape, form. And also did the best X-Men film, X-Men 2. X-Men United, I think That's it was true. called in America. Called it X2. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would have been cool if he could have done that for uh, Trick or Treat. But, um, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Could have brought his A game, but he didn't. I don't know why. Alright, Lacey, we're down to the last two. What is your number two? Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah. There's nothing I don't like. It has scary bits and funny and it's also really sad. All all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and it's become like like woven into the fabric of our lives because i love when uh sean he's like basically he's told he has to do something he doesn't want to do and he goes ah and like i don't know how many times a day i do that just like 50 reacting to my life yeah. it's just great like everything like everything you want in a movie it has and it's spooky and it has good music what else can i say about it it's amazing yeah and i mean it does it has a collection of like some of the funniest actors mm-hmm. and the i think like that's how we found black books was I was like, I want to know more about that Dylan Moran guy. Mm. Who's that? And then we yeah. finally did the show with Bill Bailey, and I was like, this is the shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you watched it every day for like a year. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say thing that, and I don't know if this is a mark against it or not, but Shaun of the Dead feels very much like spaced the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Spaced is great. That's what I mean. I don't know if it's a mark against it or not, because spaced was awesome. So. Well, it, there was an episode of Spaced where um, Tim is playing Resident Evil and the whole reason for Sean of the Dead is because that episode they had so much fun doing the zombie segments, they went, let's expand it. And here we <laughs> we get Sean of the Dead. Which is great. So what yeah. a brilliant reason. Yeah. Again, that's what, a th- the third zombie film or fourth if you count Army of Darkness on your list is zombie is your favorite genre maybe yeah i think for sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah especially the more comedic zombie films yeah, yeah it's got to be from my early army of darkness mm-hmm. like, that's what <laughs> set the stage and then i've just been living that way for uh 33 years so <laughs> <laughs> you know if it works stick to it why not i can't really get down with like the super fast dramatic zombie movies like 28 days later like i think it's a good movie but I don't enjoy it. Mm. Ooh, okay. You're so, like, anxious watching it's it. so tense, and everyone's yeah. sad and stuff, and I just can't, I can't jam like that. Silly <laughs> Murphy's a fourth in that movie. Yeah, but the sad. <laughs> I mean, it's a very human <laughs> film with undead people in it. I mean, even, let's face it, with a lot of zombie films, you get uh, somebody who's been bitten by somebody from the grave or or whatever. In this, it was like something that, uh, I'm not going to say it's realistic, but it's like, it was a monkey attack. There, there was like an aggression gene being pumped into these monkeys, and one of the monkeys attacks a, a, a freedom fighter, or, um, is that yeah, a right term? Like a yeah, an activist. Some, yeah, an activist, sorry. Thank you, that's a much better word. Well done for knowing words. Um, and that that's just fantastic. It's just such a... Even though it's only in the first like three minutes of the film, it was actually oh okay that's a that's a sensible way to introduce zombies into the world. I mean, fuck the yeah. Walking Dead, you know this this did it well. Sorry, all my Walking Dead fans. I mean, even if we're fans. talking about anything else, just fuck the Walking Dead, really. It's <laughs> a terrible show. Yeah, well, that's that's going to be the title of this uh, episode actually. Fuck the Walking Dead. Fuck uh, the walking. Uh, Robert Kirkman did not sue me. I can't afford it. <laughs> But going back to Shaun of the Dead quickly, I think that obviously it goes without saying, you know, in the zombie genre, in a zombie apocalypse, there's going to be, you know, sadness and people losing loved ones and having Mm. to make difficult choices, which is covered in 28 Days Later and all other manner of zombie films. But I think that Shaun of the Dead manages to do that whilst also being hysterically funny and scary at the same time. It just kind of... You know, it has that brilliant balance and it makes the emotional scenes even even more kind of powerful because it is 
technically it's a comedy. Well, it's also a romance, but also a bromance as well. Yeah. There's so much heart in Shaun of the Dead. And uh, just thank you, Edgar Wright. Okay, Jerry, number two, if you please. My number two is Alien. This is one of the scariest movies I think I've ever seen. I still get scared by it. Like, I still, like, will watch it and I'm like, you know, you do that lean forward slightly where you're like, I have to brace <laughs> myself because <laughs> I'm leaning slightly forward in my chair. There's danger is around. No, it's just, it's a beautiful film to look at. Mm. It's got fantastic writing. The characters are all interesting and they make sense. And, like, I think it's just wonderful to look at, mm. for starters, um, in every scene. From the beginning when they have the light, um, like all their habitation quarters that are all, like, brightly lit mm. and sort of white and cream colored, to later on when everything is dark and there's shadows and there's this weird alien that looks like components of the ship and mm. it's everything about it is dangerous even fighting it is dangerous and yeah, it has a lot of these strong male characters that are typical for a film of that era mm. and then they don't matter like <laughs> in the end it's all Alan Ripley and it's all like it's not even like she has a particular advantage over him other than like she just is a hard ass and just <laughs> refuses to be victimized by the alien hmm. and then in the second one they they're like well we're gonna send you back and she's like no because they're gonna know like did you not hear everything in my brief like about this and they're like well we're gonna bring you on as a like, consultant she's like this is bullshit like <laughs> she doesn't mince words and she's like that from the start it's why she has such of uh, an antagonistic relationship with so many of the crew i wouldn't say antagonistic but she has like a, there's tension between her and some of the other crewmates yeah the one character he's just kind of like being a chauvinist he's just like he's just a dude from the 70s i guess <laughs> and uh and she just calls him out like she just doesn't take shit from anybody including these deadly aliens that are all over the ship do you know my favorite scene is when they're in the diner and it bursts his chest oh wait, no that's revolutionary masterpiece space balls excuse me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm embarrassed for both of us. <laughs> no, I stand my ground. I'm Ellen Ripley. I mean, if, if you want to talk horror films, we can talk about Spaceballs, because that is... Oh, <laughs> I couldn't see that coming. Come All on. right. Oh, man. No, but I mean, it's it's got a lot of, uh, I think, like, primal fear components, like the what, dark... Spaceballs? I disagree with that. No. <laughs> I think it has a lot of primal fear components. You have the dark, you have an unknown predator, confined spaces. And Ellen is not like the rest of them. She's not wearing armor. She has no combat training. She's just making do with what she has. Hmm. And she's like literally like the definition of back up against the wall. Like she doesn't know how many there are. She doesn't know what they're really capable of, but she learns a little bit. Like it's just it's this great, like, she's always behind the eight ball mm. until the end. And after that, like, she doesn't, she's just got gumption. <laughs> she's got that badassery. <laughs> Top notch. Uh, somebody once said that Alien was the best haunted house film, but in space. And I thought, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a good, that's a good take on it. That's a really good take on it. And I, I'm going to yeah, steal that person's credit. Sense. Yeah, it, t- it has all the elements of a haunted house. There's something in- lurking that you can't see. It all takes place inside the single structure. Mm. Yeah, I can buy that. 
Mm, never thought of it that way. Mm. Okay. Yeah, sci-fi and horror really see pair well, so well. Yeah. You know, um, the only other example I can think of of a sci-fi horror that's like that caliber is like Event Horizon. Yes. That is. Do you know what? I almost don't class Event Horizon as a sci-fi film. I know that sounds a bit sh- silly, but honestly, it, Event Horizon is almost like uh, Jacob's Ladder. You know, it's a psychological yeah. horror, but it's in space. It's, it ticks all the boxes for me. It's a great film. I, I love Event Horizon. More people should talk about Event Horizon. I agree. So, come on, Lacey, your number one horror film of all time. And I'm hoping you're going to say Event Horizon. <laughs> no, um, Jerry already took this one, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh. oh, right. Okay, okay. All right. So, Jerry, Jerry, we've heard what you think. Lacey, yeah. what makes this so fucking special? So it starts out from the trailers. It was just going to be a scary movie, just like Cabin in the Woods. That's why Jerry and I went to go see it in the movies. Mm. And we're expecting, like, some, you know, hack and slash kind of bullshit. And then it ended up being, like, so many things. Like, once they showed the, you know, kind of office area, we're like, what is this? <laughs> it, just, it went on from there. And it's, like, all these different goblins and ghouls and has everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, like, we thought it was going to be a standard issue. Yeah. 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 It sold itself really well. It, it undersold itself really well. To, to kind of keep yeah. keep it secrets. I heard some people didn't like it because they're like, oh, it's just you know like a scary movie. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't go past the previews. Like, yeah. Well, I had that experience. I think we both did because we talked about it afterwards. Where it's like, yeah, once they go in the office, we were like, whoa, we're in uncharted territory. Here. Like, <laughs> we didn't know what to expect anymore. We were just like, we don't know what anything is anymore. Yeah. This is awesome. What would you want to be killed by in that I universe? Was, I was just going to ask you the same thing. I know my answer, okay, so I'm going to get gonna Freya think... to answer no, it. No, no. Because I'm going to put you on the spot. Go well, on. you let me think about it for a second, because, I mean... I don't want to be killed. <laughs> you know, I like my life. It's all right. I don't want a mermaid to, like, gobble me up and spray me out its back. I don't want, like... Oh, I a... for sure do. Yeah. What, what do you mean you want to be killed by a no, mermaid? Look. Like if I could die to. as an old, old lady, dropping her neck. <laughs> that sounds like fine to me. Or some shit. Or I could be eaten by a mermaid. Like, my ancestors could do a 23 of me and be like, by the way, your great-great-grandmother, fucking mermaid attack. Uh-huh. Come yeah. on. I'm with you, because if you get to the end of the universe and you're at the pearly gates and they're like, what happened to you? And the guy's like, oh, bus accident. What happened to you? would be like, what happened to me? <laughs> I was eaten by a giant fucking cobra. <laughs> I a think... ghost came out of a, a lamp and ate me. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have to be the giant bat. I love bats. Right, I, I just want to be killed by old age. That's the most insidious of all the monsters. Yeah. Time. <laughs> no one escapes time. I want to be the guy who made it, you know. And maybe, maybe gave a little bit of wisdom along the way. You never know. Actually, that's a good point. I would like to be one of the people who sees the giant angry gods emerge from the earth and get stomped by one of them. Well, okay. I want to be from. I want to see the giant hand of God come down and stomp people, but I want to be from afar and being like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) And then I'll take a picture and like send it off to the papers going. Hey, does anybody remember when this happened? Yeah, but God they, attacked us. They they destroyed the whole earth. Yeah, 
that, there's going to be somebody who is going to be like, whew, close call. No. 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 All right, okay. Jerry, come on. You, you, you're going to bring your number one here. It's your A game. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting is, yeah, the Exist. I'm right. expecting the Omen. What are Exorcist. you going to give us? Paul Blart, Mall Cop? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different type no, of horror. I'm, different kind of horror my uh favorite horror movie and i mean this is a favorite like i love everything about it i love watching it i'll watch all the time is the 1980s gem that too many people have not seen the gate steven dorf yes yes finally (laughs) finally yeah no the gate is fantastic if uh there are people who don't know anything about this movie shame on you wow shame on you like it's, it's so 80s, and it's, it's basically about these two kids that, with the use of a rock album that belongs to a band that died in a plane crash, they accidentally open up a portal to hell in their backyard. A gate to hell, if you will. I mean, that's believable. That's believable parents, right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then their parents, who are 1980s parents, so they're like, bye, we're going to go leave you alone for two months. They bail on these kids and they tell the sister you're old enough you should watch them and it's like a series of accidents allow them to complete rituals yeah where they're like hey who wants to do light as a feather stiff as a board and like that's one of the rituals (laughs) um and then there's like these little goblinoid creatures that come out of the gate and the little yeah the little monster things they're so adorable I remember watching it being crazy freaked out when the the kid with the glasses he falls into the, the, he falls into the hole hmm. and he's just down there and like one of them bites him and then he steps on one and does that really weird scrabble and I just freaks me out I hate it. <laughs> but it was it's awesome like the kid it has imagery that I love um like the the eye that grows in the kid's hand oh, that's so grim. weird and like it blinks he's a cult. Like, oh yeah it blinks at him and and then there's like the weird tornado sandworm thing that rises up out of the middle of the house and it's just got everything you'd want like it's got kids wearing denim vests with their bands patches all over it <laughs> heavy metal summoning a gate to hell like geodes it's got everything <laughs> it's awesome especially geodes though. the geodes yeah. yeah that's essential it's quite a cerebral almost goonies horror film isn't it yes yeah it's like exactly that it's like the goonies but instead of a treasure map, it's like uh, instructions for entering hell. Sure. And like, what if the Goonies had a heavy metal album that had instructions on how to open up a pathway to the beyond? And they did everything in it, <laughs> despite all the warnings. <laughs> and then they did make a sequel, and uh, the only person from the original film that came back was the guy who played Glenn, the kid with glasses. And it was uh, horrendous. It was. And they didn't call it the fence, which is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> The back gate. <laughs> but absolutely love the gate. Um, I love the poster. I love the artwork that yeah. they, they put out for it. Because um, there was like multiple posters. And there's one that I really love, which is the words, the gate, as a hole in the ground. With little creatures reaching up out of it. Yeah, the hands um, coming up the... over the edges, aren't they? Like all green and freaky. Yeah, oh, just, I want that poster. <laughs> But yeah, it's everything about it is like it hits every button for me. It's it's silly, it's scary, it's 
it's so 80s and it's got like the occult in a really fun way like i love it love everything about it it's a good shout um for our uk listeners uh it is available on amazon prime um so and i think it's on shutter i think but yeah i i honestly uh the gate was one of those films when I was a kid. I remember it being uh, on like TV late at night. I think I might have been like seven or eight, and I I I wasn't particularly scared by it. I thought it was kind of goofy, and it was just if I'm honest. Back in the day, I was like a little Iron Maiden metalhead, you know, and I was just like, hey, I can relate to this, <laughs> and I like the Goonies, and it was it was just a fun film. It was a really cool film, and I don't want to when I say this, I don't mean to say it as an insult, but it was quite niche almost you know um and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i i just think it's one of those films that you can have a fun time watching it and i i truly appreciate that i mean that's what horror films generally all tend to be they they are fun to watch whether you get scared whether you don't get scared if if you get scared it's like oh your heart is beating like oh that that was kind of freaky but then if you don't get scared by it, you're just like, oh, this is stupid. And you can moan about it and you still have fun moaning about it. So I, I, I think the gate kind of does have it all. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely my, my Swiss Army horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I admit I only saw it for the first time very recently um, within the last year. But I really, you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. Often films like that. If you don't have that nostalgia factor, it can kind of ruin it for you. But I didn't didn't cause me any problems with this. I think it serves all the different kinds of horror that people can like. So it's like, do you like a ghost story? Do you like monsters? Do you like demons? Do you like gore? Do, you know, do you like urban legends? Like it kind of mm. touches on all of those things a little bit. Like the when they, they talk about the man, the construction worker buried in the wall, mm. yeah. and then the gate hates that, yeah. and it falls all the little worms and well look guys um i just want to say thank you so 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 much for doing this we've been chatting for like a few hours now i will say that and (laughs) i've had nothing but fun doing this now before we go off is there anything you want to plug i mean do do you guys have like a podcast maybe you want to talk about (laughs) Yeah, no, we do a podcast called Hardly Paranormal, where we talk about ghost stories and real-life paranormal events, and we also talk about cryptids, and we talk about uh, a little bit about folklore, I think. Sometimes. And we we break down why it's a whole bunch of bullshit, Um, (laughs) but in a way, I think is, we, we still enjoy it, and we don't mean to take away from anybody else's enjoyment. We are actually working on something... Uh, we're kind of taking it to another level right now. Um, we have a a friend of ours, Jason, who lives in Illinois. And Jason has been, on our behalf, investigating paranormal claims in his local area. Okay. For a segment that I would like to put together, uh, we were called Hardly Paranormal Investigates. And he's going to be sort of like our field reporter. Wow. Oh, Wow hauntings and then we get to talk about them that's in the works so (laughs) this could be the thing that might actually convince you in the paranormal jerry i mean no (laughs) (laughs) definitely open to it 
Um, no, Jason's a he's a he's a very nice guy. He's we we know him through a mutual friend, and we had no idea that he was into. He started listening to the show, and he really likes the show. And he was like, I have a secret ambition I want to tell you about. And I was like, awesome. And he was like, I want to do, like, paranormal investigations. And I was like, holy shit, are you talking to the right person? <laughs> <laughs> Jerry has a home. This is cards. Yeah, we were do, we were going to do uh, paranormal investigations here in town. But it turns out, no ghosts anywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> Not even in the whole of Kansas. <laughs> yeah, it's just bare bones. We haven't checked every house, though. We should probably go door to door. We should go door to door. Like, you got ghosts? <laughs> you got ghosts? We need to put a Ghostbusters commercial out. Something like that. Oh my god, perfect. We're ready to explain to you why it's a gas leak. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that, mm-hmm. man. That's going to be awesome. Well, I do have one last question for you guys. Oh my god. Oh, what? Oh, god. What monster has the best dance moves? I don't know. The Boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> it really wouldn't have been a uh, hardly paranormal crossover without a few jokes so thank you yucks well jokes were told they weren't funny but jokes got told I like them well guys thank you so very much yeah. thanks for having us this yeah. is great yeah, no so worries there's so much social interaction that we've done <laughs> guys Thank you so very much, and good luck with everything you got coming up. I cannot wait to hear Hardly Paranormal Investigates. Hey! That was Jerry and Lacey from Hardly Paranormal. Really, really great fun interview. And I love those guys. And I have to give them a big thank you as well because they sent me some really lovely birthday presents this they year did. yes thank you guys that's lovely which my, i definitely don't deserve my birthday is the 18th of december just so you know <laughs> so that was highly paranormal go check out their podcast they're available on all platforms absolutely what's coming up next for our interview specials in the next episode we interview the wonderful ollie from the history emporium and pals podcast Yes, he is such a great chatter and a personal friend of mine and I love the bugger. That will be coming up at some point in the coming week. Yes, we hope. It will, we promise. <laughs> God damn it. We will release all of the specials before the end of the year, I promise you. And that's quite a commitment because we've still got to edit some. But then we hope to just restart a thing and not be as busy come January. So, have you got some links for us, Freya? I certainly do. You can follow us on Twitter at Chainsaw Royal. We are on Instagram at RPCM underscore podcast. And you can email us on rpcmpodcast at outlook.com. Leave us a rate or review anywhere you can rate and review us. That would be nice. That'll make Christmas a little bit fun for us. So, till at some point this week, have a good one. Bye. Toodles.